are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. G'day. And uh, Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Jeff, have you got a crisp Jeff, what are you there? doing with your camera? Yeah, what was that noise? <laughs> I don't know. I've, no, I've gone all blurry. I've gone all blurry. Don't know why. <laughs> gone out of focus. Well, it's good that we're not filming this, because it doesn't really matter what you look like. It's only the sound that we care about. <laughs> he has gone really blurry. Yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> Come on, sort it out. Move closer. Maybe you need your sweat sword. <laughs> Whilst Jeff's sorting that out, Rog, Rog did you uh, bring a beer with you to uh, get through I did, making and, Jeff look blurry? And do you know what? This week with my beer, I got a little bit of an insight into Jeff's <sighs> psyche, oh. the world of Jeff, in that I have kind of a free beer this week. Um, Ooh. In the, you steal it? Well, no, I took, I bought some beers and they really weren't very nice. And so I took them back and then they gave, oh, yeah. <laughs> they gave me more beers, more beers than I bought. Um, so you got free ones. So I got free ones. Oh, one, minute, one minute, hold on. You, you bought some beers and took them back and they gave you more beers. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, that's what where'd I you, Where'd you go? That's a great shop. I want uh, to go my, to that my, shop. Just my local brewery. Um, what? what's it called tall boy tall boy moose um and yeah i, I mean I'll give, I'll give them a fair amount of custom um they so, probably so recognize they my back? face my large face why did you take the beers back Rich? it was just a really bad beer apparently it was a ha- <laughs> hazy ipa which i'm all about and apparently they're quite tricky to brew so this can happen just tasted bad so i took them back but then they said well have you brought back three have six i can't believe um, you took beers back to the shop because it didn't taste very good you're such a prick <laughs> well i poured <laughs> i poured one away and then i thought well hold on this is a bit silly i don't want to pour all these away and then i don't want them to just sit in the fridge until you come over because that might be quite a long time <laughs> That's so what jeff says, three i thought i yeah. may as well try it what's the worst that can happen they say no but they gave me free beers so jeff this beer is fine it's not amazing but it but tastes a little bit sweeter because it's free I told you, Rod. Told you. <laughs> um, Jeff, what did you bring? It's just beer, John. I'm just so f- sick of talking about beer. It's just beer. It tastes great. <laughs> beer. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I actually bought beer again this week. Um, I decided it's summer, so I bought the salted white peach shower by Garage Project. You love that. It's delicious. Yeah, um, yeah. And- <laughs> Jeff, it's not a good start for you that if you're bored of the beer chat, this week has been international week, and so there's been no Premier League. You hate international football, and all we're going to talk about is how we're going to change football forever and how it may be terrible or it may be great. So Jeff's in for a great evening, everybody. No, 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 no. This is, this is amazing that these things happen, you know. It's always on the boring weeks and the boring periods of time. I mean, let's track back to when COVID, when we are on the, on the COVID um lockdown no premier league no football to talk about luckily we were just presented with the most you know the longest and most complicated and protracted takeover of all time that didn't go through <laughs> and just took that whole period we could have a, a half an hour newcastle united saudi arabia update every week and it was captivating stuff luckily this week the green new deal here it is ready okay. to go yeah, so before before we get into the new deal into the international football and stuff um, 
we're going to start with a question, but I'll do my bit of admin before that. If you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us where to buy beer or tell Rog that he's a wanker for taking beer back because it doesn't taste nice. Um, you can just find us on Facebook, search Football Shed, or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and, of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk about football. This week's question uh, is a bit of a random one, nothing to do with what's going on in the world this week. Perfect. But I saw it this week and went, oh, didn't expect that. Which non-British outfield player has the most Premier League appearances? So not a goalkeeper. So it has to be an outfield player and non-British and not anyone from England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland. Sorry. Silver. I'm really sorry. Can you repeat the question? Oh, God. I just I just had a... <laughs> uh, my earphones went blank for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which non-British outfield player has the most Premier League appearances? I was going to say Ali... Interrupt you and say Ali Dai. Um, but, <laughs> no. uh, Gareth, what did you say, Jeff? Before David, David Silver, no. Gareth Barry, he's he's English. No. He's English. What are you oh, talking non-English. about? Non-English. Sorry, non-British. God, I've really stuck this up, haven't I? <laughs> Gareth um, Barry is like the most English Englishman ever. He's so I just, boring. I am here. I just maybe I'm not quite here. Uh, okay, let me have another go. Um, this is an excellent fast first five minutes of the podcast. It is. We are covering going. ourselves in glory here. Mm. Well, it, it, so Irish is involved, but it's not an Irish person. But four, three of the top five are Irish. Uh, Roy a player that's played for your team, Jeff. Roy Keane. Tim Howard. Oh, no, you did not no. keep that outfield. <laughs> 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 Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman. No. Sylvain Distan. Really? Uh, yeah. He had 469 Premier League appearances. Yeah, that's a lot. Wow. More than John O'Shea, Richard Dunn, Damien Duff and George Boateng. Hmm. That's, oh, that's impressive. There you go. There's a fact. I randomly saw that this week and went, oh, that's good. Thanks, Sylvain. He was actually a very good player. I, I don't... Hmm. I don't really forgive him for a mistake he made in the FA Cup final for Everton when it, when Everton were actually in a, a final, an actual final, where he should have hoofed it out and he didn't. He tried to be clever and gave it away. That wasn't very good, Sylvan. If you're listening, I like, hope you're haunted by that. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, now let's get on to what we are going to talk about tonight, which is the Project, project Big Picture. Green New Deal. Um <laughs> the New Deal. Um, basically, it's come out this week that uh, Man United and Liverpool's owners and a few other people, maybe Rick Parry, um, who's the EFL chairman, have come up with this grand plan of how to change football forever in the UK that maybe will help the whole of football, maybe won't, and will maybe give more power to the Big six. So what they've said is that they will cut the Premier League down from 18 to 20 and you'll have 24 teams in all the other leagues. Other way around. You'll lose... What did I just say? So from cut it down 18. from 18 to 20. From 20 to 18. <laughs> Thanks, Rog. You're back. I'm back. <laughs> Rog is on form now. Don't get the facts right. Um, and we'll, means we'll lose two EFL teams from the league completely. I get rid of the League Cup and the Community Shield. 
the playoffs will change. So the top two would get promoted from the championship. And then three, four and five would go into playoffs with whoever comes 16th in the Premier League. So they'll be added to the playoff group. Um, there'll Is be a 250 million. Sorry, can I just clarify? Every season. Every season, yeah. Yeah. Like the Bundesliga do. Yep. Um, there'll be 250 million pounds given to the EFL as a one-off payment to help through COVID. And then 25% of all TV revenue from future agreements will go to the rest of the EFL and to grassroots football and down the pyramid. And the big bit that's a bit strange is that the voting rights in the Premier League will change. So what will happen is that currently um, each club has equal status and that means any new rules or regulations require support of at least two-thirds, so 14 clubs to pass. In this new way, nine clubs will be given special voting rights on certain issues based on the, their longevity in the Premier League. Currently, that's Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Everton, Southampton and West Ham. A transfer of power would open the door for those clubs to control broadcast contracts, financial rules and even the power to veto takeover bids at rival clubs. Uh, did, you, so, did you say... Um... Parachute payments scrapped as well. Was that in there? No, I missed that off. Sorry. So, so yeah, the parachute payments. Just in terms scrapped. of the championship, I think that's quite that's quite an important one as well to add in. Yes. Yeah. So the parachute payments will be scrapped, but then obviously you get the twenty five percent of revenue that goes down the league as a more um, consistent level. So basically, it's got some good points. I think around the giving money to the EFL, TV rights, money going down the football pyramid. But then it's got some questionable points in that the top six suddenly are super powerful, plus these extra three, and they can do whatever they want. What do you reckon? Should we do it? I'm not sure they're going to ask us, John. (laughs) (laughs) You never know, Jeff. I reckon that will be the deciding vote. I I need help with this one because there's, there's a few things that are instantly gross and disgusting. And I think... You know, it's fair to say they are solely around the the top six, top nine, based on some just nonsense, and it's 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 based on obviously you know the commercial power of those clubs involved. Yeah, because if we're talking about mm. longevity in the league, which is how the nine clubs have been chosen, why Man City there? That just doesn't make any sense at all. It's obviously about commercial prowess. Well, I, no, I feel like, lie too because no, you got you got clubs like Villa that have been there, exactly had more right, yeah. more Villa. seasons in the Premier League than some of those other teams. Makes no it's, sense. That that excuse makes no sense. So it, so what that means is it's an excuse. I, I think that we have very very short memories. I think the the concept of a big six is fabricated by the media and perpetuated every year despite not really being real i think that spurs should be counting themselves bloody lucky to be involved in a so-called big six it wasn't too long ago that spurs were were no better than the rest of us you know tire kickers it, it was a big four and the only reason why it was not a big four was because man city did what they did which we all know the the history of that so, so it was never a big five because spurs got good at the same time but we couldn't deal with letting clubs like Man U and Arsenal who are having bad periods drop out of that so we just made big four to big six it's all completely arbitrary 
by doing mm-hmm. this and by giving them actual stature that they don't have now, we're solidifying this dynamic process that is essentially a very arbitrary process anyway. The only reason why it was four was because they were Champions League clubs, but they weren't Champions League clubs every year. I mean, I remember it being a top two, which is Manchester United and Arsenal. That was normal. It was just a top two and everyone else. And, yeah. you know, I, I feel like we forget that these things are dynamic and fluid. And by doing this, we will be taking that away. However, yeah. the rest is good, in my yeah. opinion. No, and I totally, I, yeah, I, in my opinion, I totally agree that there's a lot of good things about it. I don't think we need the League Cup. I don't think we need the Charity Shield, although I don't mind it because it's like, oh, it's the start of the season, but you can get rid of the League Cup. Um, I'm not a big fan of the playoff change. Um, don't mind the league going down to 18 rather than 20 teams. The 250 mil is great to the EFL and the consistent 25% going down the pyramid forevermore is excellent in my opinion. I think that's a really, really good idea. But doesn't, like, strikes me, you know when dictators take over, like Hitler comes to power when everything's gone wrong in the country and he tells everyone, all the poor people, I'll work it out, trust me. And Chairman Mao came in power to China when it all went wrong and he came in and went, I'll tell you what, I'll sort it out and I'll make you all okay. And then I'll take a bit of power. It's exactly the same. Does it not look exactly the same? Like they're going, oh, look, we're coming in with this great deal to help you all. But then we'll take away a chunk of power. And then in five, ten years, we rule the world. I oh, completely- 100%. Don't, yeah. don't be I, fooled. I, I, this is not philanthropic. This this is a, a strategic financial decision by, by huge companies. This, this is not something that, you know, you're absolutely right. This is loan sharking. This is going, you're poor. You can't pay your rent. You're you're about to have your house foreclosed. I will lend you money at a high interest rate. Aren't I kind? That's all this I, and is. That's, yeah, and I, and that's why I just think it is so gross because of that. Like I think there are some. I think the situation needs to change. We know that there are a huge amount of clubs throughout the football pyramid that are running at a loss. It's not sustainable. Um, something needs to change. You know, so this this is probably an appropriate trigger for some significant change. Um, I think the Premier League has been sitting on its hands a bit and hasn't been doing a very good job of trying to come up with something. You know, we've been talking about trying to rescue the Football League for for months now. Um, So perhaps it was going to take something like this, you know, clubs moving outside of the Premier League structure to do it. But I just, like, it is paper thin any attempts to disguise this as some sort of noble attempt to save football it is a power grab by a select group of clubs to improve their position and uh, we probably shouldn't be surprised because they're a business right and so they're making the decision they see that's best for their business but i just think it is gross and there's another aspect to this that surprises me from a bit from rick parry in the um in the football league which is that I, I agree with you, John. You know, it, the times that we're in, where the football league is in right now, is dire. Now, that is not a good position to be making a m- massively significant decision about your footballing future from. You know, your back is against the wall. Um, you've basically, you know, being asked to make a decision while you've got an elephant sitting on your chest. You know, I just, I, I just, it's not a, it's not a fair process. It's, there's no negotiation. It's basically like, we know you're about to go bust. This seems like a pretty good deal. Here's 250 mil away you go. So I just, but at the same time, I think we need to recognize that there are elements within the agreement 
that have a lot of potential. So I don't I don't think yeah. we should throw it throw it out. I think there's a lot. I completely agree with you about the the the, the revenue uh, scrapping the parachute payments because that's completely unfair in the championship. Mm. Having a more sustainable way to get some of the Premier League revenue, you know, into the championship and 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 lower, but this isn't it. You can't. We can't have a Premier League where nine clubs control everything. No, no, I I agree. I, I I also agree with you, John. That I think eighteen clubs is better for the Premier League. There are too many games, and when we have European competition, there there is too much of a strain on those players. I think Kevin De Bruyne came out this week and said he's been playing nonstop for two years, and no one gives a shit. Essentially, no one cares about the players. It's been nonstop. How do they expect to perform all the time? This would help. And the Champions League is going to get bigger as well. Of course, yeah. And there's going to be the second tier Europe, Europa League, like Europa Two or whatever it's called. But I think that we need to be very sure with how we're talking about this stuff football is either it's thought of in two different ways and that's why there is a a kind of there is a dichotomy that we can't resolve we kind of emotionally view football as an institution something that is ingrained in the culture of a of a city or a town that is an institution it's something that represents them and it's something that you feel and, and has been part of your life however football is also a business and that, and those two things do not meet because if if they are an institution, then they should be held up as one and supported by the government. If it's an institution that's about, uh, you, you know, influencing your population, then then that's something that the government should have stepped in and, sh- and should be stepping in with an alternative. You, if we rely on the business side of football to step in with a bailout for football, it will be a business bailout it will not be a bailout to the institution of football and the people who are getting most up in arms about this are saying it feels gross feels horrible oh they're controlling football big elite are controlling football and i get that it does feel gross but it only feels gross if you're thinking about football in its emotive institutional fashion the fact that it's got history and heritage and is the pyramid and and however many years we've been doing this and why change it it's the beautiful game best league in the world when you think about it like that it's gross and horrible but actually if it was like that, the Premier League are not the people who should be stepping in and saving this thing. Think about it like a business. This makes sense. Yeah, well, exactly. I think the thing that frustrates me as well about this is that, like you say, Jeff, everyone's got their knickers in a twist about it and got angry about it. And I don't like this, don't like that, don't like the way we're going about it. This is the first plan that I've seen by yeah. anyone. Like, where is everyone? That's fine. You can shout and go, oh, you're all idiots and this is all terrible and you're doing a bad thing. But where are you coming out with your ideas? All the government have said is Premier League should pay for more. Um, and like the the, I don't like this argument because I think the arts is the most important thing on the planet. But the arts in the UK is getting £1.5 billion. Sport, which is vitally important too, is not getting anything. And when I say sport, I'm talking football as a sport. So if you're getting 1.5 billion for the arts, can there be a bit of government funding? Can the government come in and go, let's pay 125 and football clubs, which have already agreed to pay 140, will top up the rest, mm. make it some two In loans, these aren't bailouts, it's just a loan. So you, as soon as you're no, allowed, as soon as you're the government, let people back in the stadium well, so you can this, start paying back the money. Government can earn interest. This is something that would be positive for football and <laughs> not with the commercial interest of big clubs. And it's hard though because we're, we're sort of we're starting to talk about, you know, 
politics and philosophical shifts. Mm. And I mean, this is one of the problems with capitalism. I mean, is and you've got a Tory government in power, and essentially they're saying it's a business. You guys sort it out. And one of the things that's annoyed me in the commentary on this as well is the Premier League's response has straight away being, "Oh no, no, you know, we with we, mm. we can't have this in the Premier League. You know, this this is wrong." And I'm like, "You haven't done anything." Because you are a business and all you care about is the Premier League. You don't give a shit about the football pyramid. You just care about your product, which is the Premier League. And, and you know, I think they're more angry that someone else has come up with things and tried to challenge the status quo there. As far as the Premier League is concerned, I am sure that all the executives in the Premier League would probably be fairly happy to see football league teams go out of business as long as they could keep their, you know, golden goose Premier League model going and they haven't come up with a single plan let's not let's not kid ourselves the reason why there is so much money in english football is because of the big six teams in the premier league if you're in sorry if that sounds really harsh and it's if if you're a a villa fan or a newcastle fan you listen to this that might might sound shit but if you're in singapore you're not going to tune in as eagerly to a Burnley versus Newcastle game as you are to a Chelsea Arsenal. You're just not. Which means that the rights in that country are not worth as much money. It can change, Jeff. That's the important thing. I agree. I completely agree. But we've got to understand where the money's coming from. What drives the money? It can change. And Aston Villa can beat Liverpool 7-2. That's great. I think that's great. And because, because you can have that, you have that evenness and the ability for someone who's not considered a big club right now as a Villa can beat the champions of yeah, the league. I, I agree. I guess, I guess my point is that the um, it's no surprise that those clubs feel like they deserve a bigger stake because they're saying, "Well, actually, come on, boys, we're driving this." And if you take, if you you know, let's look at the alternative. Yeah, the, the there's, no, there's been no alternative. We have been hearing muted conversations about a European Super League for the last 18 months, probably longer, but we've been genuinely hearing proposals from AC Milan and Barcelona talking about whether there should be a breakaway European Super League. And, you know, they've, they've been pitched. So if something like this doesn't happen, if we don't kind of... Look, I'm not saying I, I agree with this. What I'm saying is the only alternative I've heard is actually a big chunk of those clubs fuck off completely. And, and and leave the football pyramid without that revenue and without that that glamour at all. I'm not saying glamour is what we need because obviously, like you look at the Leicesters, that was the best year I've had in the last ten as a football fan. Mm. Is, is, is Leicester winning the league? But you know, the alternative is a European Super League. No one wants that. Well, on the European Super League thing, um, I think it's interesting because it has come up in conversation a couple of times around this. And you're right, there's feels like there's real proposals coming out and people are talking about it as a real option now and it's been muted in the background for about 10 years but in the last year 18 months it's come and everyone when they talk about it in the media says the inevitable european super league so it's it seems like everyone knows that's going to happen it's just about how much we whinge until it does happen there's no kind of well if we're going to see this happen we need to give them a viable alternative to say no don't let that happen or this is what all we do and it we do it here sat here is just go oh that's crap that's oh, i don't like that and i don't and rory smith was on the bbc and he talked about how football changes like the league cup began because the premier league teams or the first division teams at the time built floodlights and had no need to use them so they created a cup to put in and then the league cup was born everyone hated the league cup then no one really loves it now, but everyone now won't get rid of it because it's been around for 50, 60 years. So you have this tradition 
that actually no one likes anyway. So you things evolve and things have changed. I'm not saying the European Super League should happen or will happen, but I hate the conversation that is it's going to happen and I'm just going to sit here and whinge about it. The Premier League or the government or someone has to stand up and offer an alternative. Liverpool and Man United have just gone, here's an alternative. What do you reckon? And they've got shot down for it because there's obvious wrong things with it, but they've well, given an option. No, John, but I don't... I completely agree there needs to be strong governance, which there isn't. And in the lack of any governance, there's you know there's a vacuum and Liverpool and Man United have stepped into that. But I think that the issue that I have with it is not the proposal itself, because there are things that are in merit there. The, it, the motives behind it are disgraceful. I just don't, I don't, I don't think, I mean, we can't be surprised because it is, now this is my opinion, right? And I agree with you, Jeff, we cannot be surprised because we are talking, this is at a business level and we're talking about numbers and they, that is the arguments that they understand. These are not football people. They don't give a shit about the history or the game. They're looking at numbers and revenue and they can mount very rational arguments as to why they should have more weight in a decision than another club because they bring in much more money. So I get that. And the, but this is a game where I think you need governance. Cause I think those, I think that's wrong. I, I don't think it's, it, it's, it's right that it, you're basically saying that a rich person should have more votes than a poor person. Now that is not a democratic society. Now, but this isn't a democracy. This is this is business. And I, I get your point, Rog, but I can't. It's not disgusting. It's not gross. I mean, it feels gross. It feels as I said before. It feels gross because of the institution of football. Actually, this is a really normal situation in 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 finance in business. Now we don't. Where do we draw the line here? Because right now, football is unbalanced. It is not even. The only way that we can make the Premier League even is everyone has a salary cap, everyone has the same amount of money at the beginning of the season and everything they got left over they give back, like a university budget. So, but that's not that's not how this works. The richest clubs get to buy the best players. It is already unbalanced. We are already looking at a situation where where Manchester United can can finish 7th, 8th, ninth, bottom half and still because of all of these commercial deals buy incredible players, pay top wages, football is unbalanced. You do not get other clubs finishing ninth and doing what Man United do. It's because they're Man United. They already have an advantage because of the business now that they have displayed over the last 25 years. We're you, already you, there. You don't have a moral, right. a moral issue with the fact that they are choosing the time of a global pandemic when there are clubs that are about to go to the wall and go bust to make a power grab. You don't. You, you think that's, that's completely okay? That's what everyone does. It's, it's what you I know. Do. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. But I still. I can still, as an individual, I can have a huge oh, yeah, problem with that because I think that that our society is broken. And this is a, a great example of one of a huge number of things that happen as to why there are things that are broken with capitalism. The, the old the old adage is, you know, when there's blood on the streets, buy property. And, and that is exactly what's going on here. You know, it, yeah. this is business acquisition. This is your company is struggling. I will give you money to buy it from you and I will do better with it because I'm a rich corporation and you're a struggling little company and you'll take the money because you need it. Exactly I just don't think it should here. sit well with everyone. I think we should look at this no. and go, you know, no, no, we, no, no, we should no, no, go, no. we don't want this. You know, there are things in this proposal that we should take and seriously consider, but we also have to look at the merits. You, you know, if we're trying to fix something, we can't just fix it like this, you know, by taking the fix. They, it, it can't fix itself. It, need, it needs somebody to come in in a, 
you know, it's like asking the banks to self-regulate. You know, that went well, didn't yeah. it? Like it's <laughs> well, <yeah>. just <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're you're spot on, Roger. But the, the thing is, this is not where we decide to fix it. This is this is not the problem. This is the result of the problem. So having a problem with this is almost naive to the world that we live in. And actually, you you do have a choice. Yeah, you have a choice in the world that you live in. We we live currently in Australia. That is a democracy. We can choose our leaders, and they can have a, a, a political leaning towards certain types of financial systems and regulations. So we do have a choice. Our choice is to vote and we can vote for for a, a set of politics, a set of I- ideals that represents our opinion. What we can't do is look at decisions like this that are based on, as a result of the policies and the politics and the leaders we have in charge and go, well, this is perfectly fine in the world that we've created. The problem is yeah. the world we've created, not the fact that they're doing this. What they're doing is normal, normal behavior. Well, Let's move. We're going to, because we have spent half an hour now talking about this. So we're going to move on. Um, but I'm enjoying the debate. Um, I'm, and I also, when I ever, when I say that this on the podcast, it's also because I want to get my final point across. <laughs> and then we finish <laughs> on my final point. Now we're finished. No, <laughs> then we're finished. But um, the final thing that I wanted to say was how this plan by Liverpool and Man United and Rick Parry from the EFL has been around for about three years. So they've had it in place. They've kind of been thinking about it. Their talk has evolved a little bit and changed. So they've had it there and they've picked now to go for it. They've gone, okay, they're weak now. This is the point where we jump in and take. And that's where, to Roger's point, it's just a little bit gross because they've known what they want to do and they've planned it and they've talked about it and they've worked it out. And then they've gone, okay, now is our time to pounce. Let's do it. Um, and you could say that's smart business. You could say that's smart politics, or you could say it's a bit gross. So, yeah, or I just think kind. that's interesting. Or kind, John. It's kind. The clubs are in need most now, more than they ever have been. What a great time to fast forward on your roadmap. But then also, Rog, <laughs> uh, definitely <laughs> <laughs> definitely, but Rog, of the 72 EFL clubs, I think 70 are behind it. But this is what I'm saying, John, is that they are are making a decision. It's basically like, do you want to live? Uh, It might not be great, but you'll live. Or do you want to die? Like, it's not it's not much of a choice. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's my but but the other there is another problem here, which is that you could have someone come in with a bailout. Right. And just say, we realize this isn't a good time to make these far reaching decisions. You know, let's just come up with a way to you know get 250 mil so we can get to the end of the season and then we'll talk about things better in that time if the world goes you know back to a little bit more normal or we figure out what normal is and things start making money again and the premier league's making money and all the championships doing quite well as well or most of the championship all this stuff goes out the window because that's the trouble because it is a business as long as enough people are doing well they don't give a shit the only reason we're talking about this is because there's actually a lot of them at the moment that aren't doing okay so i think that's you know it kind of you almost do have to make decisions these big changes at these times because otherwise they'll just never happen and you know periodically clubs will just go bust um, I want to touch on the pay-per-view thing that came out this week as well, which for, for whoever came up with the pay-per-view thing that's got a huge amount of anger about it, they must be loving the fact that this new project thing came out because now no one's yeah. talking about the pay-per-view and everyone's just going to end up paying 15 quid for a game. And they'll be like, oh, when did that happen? 
But basically, they came out, and any game that is not on Sky or BT or Amazon or any of the pay stream services in the UK, if you want to watch it, it's been um, free for the whole of the COVID period during lockdown, so that you could just watch them at any time at home. Now you have to pay fourteen ninety five. Whether you're a season ticket holder, you're a home fan, you're a away fan, you have to pay fourteen ninety five to watch that. None of that money goes to the broadcaster. All of that money goes to the club. However, they've not disclosed if it all goes to the home club or the away club or if it goes directly to who you're a fan of, etc. You just have to pay $14.95 to watch a game. What it also means is the Man United Liverpools of this world are on TV a lot, but maybe a Burnley, Sheffield United, West Brom aren't. So if you're a fan of those clubs, you're going to have to pay $14.95 every week to watch your team. So suddenly you're paying an extra £60 a month to watch your team, which just seems You'd also unfair. argue that those clubs need the gate receipts a little more. So if you're not on TV on the normal service... But they haven't if you're like if you're the Burnleys disclosed. and you, you're getting more fifteen fourteen ninety five games, you'd argue that's more important to Burnley than it is to United. But the, they haven't disclosed if the clubs actually get that money directly. So, so if what I John's saying, it, why it might all go into a pot and then distribute it oh, evenly? I see what or you mean, yeah, yeah. But yes, I, and I think yeah, the I other mean, thing we should say here is that the season ticket arrangements are different between clubs, but there are an awful lot of clubs that haven't refunded their season ticket holders. And so there mm. are people out there that have paid for a season ticket, that paid subscriptions to all the sports channels, you know, 90 quid a month or whatever. And now on top of that, they're also going to have to pay to watch their team, even though they've already forked out for a season ticket. And they've lost their jobs and they live in a COVID world, yeah. COVID world <laughs> and they can't go out. And they, one good thing they've got in their life at the moment is watching Newcastle be quite good. And well, now you have to. There are aspects. Pay. There are aspects of this that I don't have too many problems with. So I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. In the championship, it's ten quid a game to watch your club. However, yep. the main difference in the championship is that if you have one, if you have a season ticket, you just you get a code, and you can continue to it's watch free. your watch your team, and it's free. So I think that's really important. The other thing is perhaps that there are less championship games on telly, so you're probably more willing to fork out. To, to watch your team but I think the biggest issue with this I mean and I also think by the way that 15 quid is a bit extortionate I think they could have set mm. their their you know money a bit lower and people would have had a lot I think if they said a five or even a tenner people would have probably mm. not blinked an eyelid but I think the other thing is in this current environment when things are a bit shit and you've been getting something for free for six months and then you turn around and tell people oh sorry actually now you've got to pay for it of course you're going to get this reaction yeah, I don't necessarily Especially think just after the transfer windows closes yeah. and they spend one point two billion pounds on players. Um and Premier League clubs can survive without gate receipts. They don't need gate receipts. Eighty percent of their revenue comes from T V money. They don't need yeah. it. So just to ask for more money, I think it's fucking gross. Oh, I'm gonna sound like a right prick on today's shed, I know it. But the um Today's shed, Jeff, or just every <laughs> <laughs> you, Okay, you so think no, it's all right? This argument, and I, I agree with you, Roger. I think it does work in the championship. I agree that forty ninety five is is too much money. I also think that um, this the argument that they've just spent one point two billion dollars in the the transfer window doesn't hold any water for me. They've they've bought assets that are worth money that they can resell. As, as far as I'm concerned, that's very different. To it's a different stream of revenue that they're spending and investing and speculating with. That's not just money that's down the pan and they've got they bought a cake for it and they're eating their cake. It, it's it's not gone, so it's not disposable income. Um, 
I do feel like we used to pay forty pounds to go watch the games, and now you got it for fifteen. In the stadium, Jeff. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I get that, and you know, I'd argue you go to see Everton sitting in the wrong seats. So you'd I'd see more on telly than I would from the stadium itself. There'd be a big post in front of it, in front of it, and it would still cost me forty quid. I, I think that you're right. Having something for free and having it taken away is harsh. But if you were to rewind two years. And you were to say, right, all the three o'clock kickoffs, which in England, as those in England know, those who don't aren't in England might not, none of the three o'clock kickoffs were legally allowed to be live on TV. They thought it was originally, they thought it would affect gate receipts. And because of that, still to this day, you know, however, in the pandemic, they, they relaxed that rule. If you would have said to me two years ago, and I was in the UK, great, great, you can watch any three o'clock kickoff you like, there's a one-off fee. I agree, fourteen ninety five is too much. But if you say to me, "Great, you watch any three o'clock kickoff you like for ten quid, five quid," I'd have said that's a bloody excellent change. I absolutely love it. I'm all behind that. We should have done that years ago. So I do feel that there's there's a bit of um, kind of uh, false outrage on this one. I, th- I think yes, it's a, yes, it's a lot of money. My, my biggest concern is that because people don't have a lot of money, they're going to go around each other's houses. In a COVID world, if you've got five people crowding around a TV because only one person's willing to pay the 15 quid, I think that's bad news in a time where the UK is saying that's that really you're, not allowed, point, go, yeah. you're not allowed to go visit anyone. So, But <laughs> that, I think, has probably gone under the radar a bit. But apart from that, I actually think that this this one is, you know, it's, it's, it's just much of a muchness. Well, I, I agree yeah. with you, but, that's, but I think you can also see why people are angry because they've been getting it for free it's it's such yep. a different thing if you just you know if you just tell people it you're like oh actually that's quite a good idea and actually i'll, I'll cancel my sky subscription and i'll just pay to watch my team you know i'll pay a one-off fee each week and i'll just watch my games i think there will be a lot of people that'll be happy to do that but i think the reaction and the outrage is because they've been getting it for free and so mm. it's 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 the feeling of something being taken away and being taken advantage of, and I think that's where this anger comes from. But I, I agree. I, I've got much more concerns about the um, the big Green New Deal. <laughs> Green New Deal. Um, let's move on to some football because we have spoken about nothing but administration so far, um, and now I say that excitedly. It's been International Week, which. I had a look through a bunch of highlights this morning. I was like, you know, an Optus, they do best goals of the day. And there was Malta against the Faroe Islands. And you're like, oh, come on. Like, there's there was really not much to talk about in the football world. But I did want to touch on the England game um, a couple of days ago where they beat Belgium 2-1, having come back from a goal down. And they beat the best team in the world, officially on world ranking form. Um, does that make England now the best team in the world? Definitely unquestionably great so now let's move on to <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I thought that England played I watched the whole game England played awful for half an hour terribly but also Belgium were brilliant for half an hour and ran the show and were all over it we played our way back into it got a lucky penalty won a penalty from Jordan Henderson it wasn't really a penalty but he made sure it became a penalty um, and which that we're not very us... good at historically we should say that John no. and I think this speaks to your point like I don't actually have too many issues with that penalty because e- England in years gone past would be way too naive to do anything like that so I actually don't mind that penalty I'm happy yeah. with that and it was an ugly it was an ugly penalty to win and so I think cool done got back into it I thought they played really well in the second half they worked out how um, Dean, Ru- uh, Dean Rice Declan Rice and 
Dean, um, Jordan Henderson <laughs> um, worked out how to play in midfield against De Bruyne um, and Tillemans, and they sussed out a way of playing, and they played really well into the game. And I thought Southgate should get a bit of credit for it, and I think England deserve a bit of credit for winning ugly, because that's how you win tournaments. Agree. Greatest team in the world. Greatest team in the world. I, I mean, playing Dominic Calvert-Lewin out wide, like it's... Just, it's it he was running the channels. He wasn't sitting in the middle. He was running the channels. No, oh, not well, at all. No. Pardon me, John. I didn't, no, watch, it, I didn't watch the whole game. It, but from what I saw, he was, he was running out wide and playing balls back into the box instead of being the man in the box. No, he played through the middle. And then every so often, like he might do a run channel if they needed him to or whatever. But he was straight through the middle the whole time and was okay. great in the air. Won everything in the air. Take really it good. back. Take it back. Um, John, we... we uh, We've sort of had this conversation, um, mm. and I don't know if we completely agree, but I think you definitely talked me around with some of your rationale, and I like your confidence in Southgate. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you in that he's trying to find a couple of different ways to play, um, which is important in particularly when we get to, to tournament football and I think we are starting to develop a little bit more than just a team now we're we're getting towards having the, the nucleus of a squad which is also important for when we get to a, a tournament there are some decisions of his that I don't agree with um I, I just I don't think Mason Mount is good enough to play for England I don't think he should go um don't think I wouldn't have him in my squad to be honest and I think that Grealish should play instead of him because he's a far superior player I also don't think that Kieran Trippier is the answer playing on the left hand side um, as an ageing uh, right fullback but largely I, I you know I, I agree with you I think we've beat Belgium we've got to take something from that there's a number of players playing that um, you know perhaps on the fringe you, you know that um, have shown that they they can play in these games um, and I mean, we're we're a shout. I know you say it flippantly, Jeff, in terms of us being the greatest team in the world. But I look, <laughs> I don't I don't think there are many great European teams at the moment. I don't think this is the strongest. German era, Spain are in transition a bit. Um, you know, France are obviously pretty strong, Italy. but Italy are, are the same in in a bit of transition. And and so I, I honestly think that we should be optimistic going to the Euros. But I just on the England. My highlight from this was actually in the friendly, and as on the a Wales pick, game. On the Wales game, yeah, which England won fairly comprehensively. But it, on the running order, you know, you've got, um, you know, I suppose a big picture thing, which is, are we sick of, you know, we, we've got this bloody break that's coming again. We're all mm. enjoying the Premier League, you know, a Villa yeah. being Liverpool seven uh, two, and then suddenly it all stops, and we've got bloody internationals again, and that's rubbish. But I watched the was watching that game, the, the England Wales game, and I watched Connor Cody score his goal, and I watched DCL score his goal, and I watched Danny Ing score their goal, and they all scored their first goals for England, and their reaction was so good, like Connor Cody was absolutely lost his shit, and I thought that was <laughs> that was so good, and then that's what. You know, you're playing for your country. That you can, you could see that that's what it meant to them. And I, when I see that, that you know, that 
makes me happier than watching you know uh, an amazing premier league game just to sort of to see that and um do you see so um, I, how many shots Connor cody has had for wolves in the premier league since they got promoted not many zero in the whole time <laughs> they've been in the premier league he doesn't go up for corners he just stays back and he's never had a shot in the premier league not i love a, that. Not, not, not a goal, i really not a really love it i love yeah. it so much and um and his interview afterwards was amazing. He absolutely loved it. Like, he was so happy. And you're right, it's really good that they... They seem like they're enjoying playing for Southgate. They're enjoying playing for England. And when we get round to tournament football, whenever it happens, we have two formations to play. We can play 3-4-3 three, three, um, or 4-3-3, three, three, possibly a 3-5-2 as well. There's a squad there. There's young players. There's competition for places. We just don't have a left-sided player, which is... The old, the old, always the same. But no, I think there's, there's a lot of positive things. Yeah, Saka would be good. Um, let's move on to the Premier League because I can tell Jeff is just hating life. He's like, I hate international football. Look at his can, face. Can I, he's can just, I, um, he's Googling just, something else. right? Yeah, he's Googling something I've else. I've got like, two, two very this? quick things I do want to say on the Nations League that also made me happy. Um, oh, well, the um, European football. Uh, Haaland. Yes, I just first continue hat-trick. to get so much joy watching him play football. Not only because he is amazing, like he is mm. absolutely amazing, but because he could be playing for Man United he and he's not. And so, like, just make, every time he scores one of these goals, it's just a little burst of joy in my in my heart. It's great. And then the other one is Frank de Boer for the for the other side of this. Oh, I don't know if you've seen his. Uh, Start at Holland isn't quite going to plan, should we say? <laughs> it's going very Frank de Boer, isn't it? It's, how does he keep getting jobs? I don't get he it. Got, he hasn't got a win yet, has he? No. How it's I just so do good. not know it. How he how the man keeps getting jobs. He must have a very good agent. Yeah. Perhaps a hypnotist. <laughs> Um, so yeah, next week the Premier League is back. So this weekend uh, it all kicks off with the Merseyside derby at ten thirty PM Australian time, which is very exciting. It's at Everton, um, Everton against Liverpool. Is this the biggest Merseyside derby in the last twenty years, Jeff? Yes. I mean, without being facetious, <laughs> I, I, I say yes. I mean, what a, what a weird time to be alive where we're going into the Merseyside derby and Everton are top of the league. It's very strange. And to think that um, if Everton beat Liverpool at the weekend, Everton will be at that point in time six points clear at the top of the Premier League. Now, that's an outrageous time to, to You're be. You're not going to beat them, though. Well, the th- I mean... Part of me just agrees with you, John. There's, there's, there's. <laughs> usually we don't, and we haven't beaten them in ten years. I think this week was the ten-year anniversary since Everton last beat Liverpool, and I think that um, it would be naive of me and foolhardy of me to come on this this podcast and say yes, this is this this is going to happen. It's going to happen. I've done that before, and I'm sick of it. However, this is one of those times where there is genuine feelings of okay, well we we could go toe-to-toe and because of that it could be a good game and if we were to win it wouldn't be because we shut up shop and tried to nick a goal or got lucky got a deflection got a penalty and then just hoped for the best because we actually went to play football and because of that I think Everton fans are genuinely excited about this and if we go into this game and play football and lose there will still be a better feeling than there will be than there was in previous Merseyside derbies we're not going to get tonked 
or at least if we are going to get tonked, we'll get tonked playing football, playing good football, trying mm. to win the game the way that we should be winning. And I think that in itself is a huge sign of progress to where we are. And I also think if we lose this game, it's not the end. We're still sitting top of the league. You know, we'll still have them on goal difference. They just lost 7-2. Seven, seven <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think um, that in itself is excellent. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to this I'm- game. Um, what do you think? As a neutral, I'm really looking forward to the game. I think it's going to be a really good game to watch. And I'm fascinated to see how Everton actually go against this Liverpool side. Liverpool are going to be hurt after losing 7-2. Um, and I, there's part of me that thinks this is the game where James Rodriguez gets found out. He's not built for this kind of game. He can do something magic in a game against weaker team. But I think when everyone needs to give 110 and sprint places... I don't think he's the man to do it. So I think this might be a game where Hammers gets found out. But you I really... I, trick, John. Yeah, I know. But well, I, I want a we'll high-scoring draw. We'll see it all. too, though. And that's... that. I'm fascinated at that. There's so many subplots. Mm. But, I, you know, and that... I think as as you you were sort of alluding to there, Jeff, it, it's 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 also testing yourself. You know, it's not necessarily the result. You've had a great start to the season, but I still think Liverpool. You know, Liverpool are the reigning champions. They're the yardstick. This is you know, yes, they just lost seven two, but I think that was a bit of an anomaly. You know, you will see where you're at after this game, and partly because you'll be willing to play against them, not just you know part the bus, and and so I think that that should excite as a fan. And I, I think as, as a neutral, I, I, I'm with you, John, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this game, which probably means a, you know, nil, 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 nil. snore fest, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll probably another... take that. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, another game I'm looking forward to is the Man City Arsenal game because it's Arteta against Pep. And I think if Arteta is the real deal, which I don't really think he is, um, this is the kind of game where he's got to prove himself. Man City have started slowly. Um, and Arsenal started all right. I think this is the time for Arsenal to beat Man City. Do you know Arsenal are paying $7 to win this game? Jesus. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. I'm glad you had that reaction because I looked at that and I just thought that is absolutely mental. I mean, Arsenal just beat City in the cup, didn't they? They, they, no. they just they just put them out. So to, to think that they are that much of an underdog in this game, to me, just doesn't add up at all. I agree with you. City have started the season badly. Um, they've got a full squad playing internationals this week. I think Arsenal are looking organised. They're not playing very well and they're winning. And, and I think that Arsenal have actually got a shout with this game. I don't see why not. Tell me, tell me a reason why no. Arsenal can't win this game. No, I think they should win it. I think Arsenal are the form team. Man City aren't. Man City haven't got any strikers. I think Arsenal are favourites. So to, for them to be paying $7 is ridiculous. Yeah, I would put a lot of money on that. Is De Bruyne going to play? Because we know he came back from uh, the Belgian yeah, squad. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know I think he's hurt his De Bruyne. But it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it, John? You say the no strikers, but I agree. And I think that really affects the way that they set up and play. I mean, we talked about it negates Sterling a bit as well. And I just find that so bizarre that with a team like Man City, who've spent so much money that we say that their issue is that actually they haven't got enough players in a certain position. But I, <laughs> I, I, they spent £260 million pounds on defenders. But they could have bought a striker. Like, they know Aguero is yeah. injury prone. Prone. Plus, he's now thirty-three. Um, you know, 
Jesus is like, yeah, he's got improvement in him, but you know, he's been back up to date and then, then they're into the youth team. Yeah. You just buy an extra striker, wouldn't you? So, uh, um, in the Newcastle Man United game, talking of betting or whatever, I think Newcastle are probably favourites right now. Yeah, come on, Newcastle! Come on, Newcastle! I feel a bit like it was unfair <laughs> on last week's shed because we didn't give Newcastle any props. But Saint Maximan had an amazing game for the game two weeks ago. He was sure so right. good. Um, and Newcastle were, were very exciting, and I think that Man United were an absolute shambles. So, and not only were Man United a shambles. Sorry, John, I don't mean to stick the boot in, but um, mm. the, the rumours coming out after the game that were happening after the after we recorded last week about the bust up in the at half time with Fernandez. You, you read all about this. So half the reason why Fernandez got taken off at half time was because he laid into Martial. So yeah, okay. Martial got a red card, right? In the first mm. half. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't make notes on this. So I'm going to try if I can regurgitate this as best as I can from memory. Got a red card, which is a bit pathetic, the card. And Fernandez laid into him at half time, saying, we shouldn't be four goals down. We're Manchester United. This is a disgrace. You're all a disgrace. And Martial's squared up to him and they got an altercation and Solskjaer, Ollie subbed him on the spot and said, you're not coming out for the second half. You need to call off. Um, To Fernandes. To Fernandes, which is the reason why Fernandes only played half of football. Um, Well, look, Mm. this is, it started as a rumour, it gathered momentum and then it's been confirmed by a few in the know. So look, I wasn't there. I can't tell you that's exactly what happened, but that, that's my <laughs> summary of a few different things that have come out and they've been corroborated. There's a whole movement right now to make Fernandez captain. People are going, well, that's right. He was right to say all of those things. The team were in absolute shambles, but it doesn't promote a harmonious football club. And for all of that to be the kind of aftermath and then to then have people go away on international duty, that's not a good time to make friends because everyone's buggering off and then coming back and there's a bit of lingering you know yeah. so uh, I the think first, that, the first thing Pogba said on international break was oh I quite like Real Madrid exactly yeah, right he's such a dog I think Liverpool are going to come back from their beating um from uh, Villa. Villa, really energised. They're going to be like a wounded animal. They're going to come back ready to go, ready to prove something. I, I fear the United will be the opposite because I don't think they've had a chance to regroup. So, yeah, I, I worry oh, about And we've game. got our new signing, Edison Cavani, who can't play because he's in isolation. So, <laughs> that's ha- Halfway to your eight <laughs> games got him here, six John. weeks ago. Johnny wasn't doing anything. <laughs> Do you know, it's weird. I look at United on three points. And I know it's only three games. It's very early mm. in the season, but really you should be on zero points. We watched the Brighton game, which is your one yeah, win. We didn't deserve. And all of a sudden, if that's the case, you'd be bottom of the league. Um, and that, I know it's only three games, but that is a lot of pressure. Like, and I think even if you lose, if you lose this game, you know, there's a you're going to be 16th, 17th. That started, you know, the more longer that would goes on you know, the more pressure. And I think, I think Ollie might almost be doing well to get to eight games. If you lose your next two. <laughs> um, a couple of other quick games I wanted to mention before we go Spurs against West Ham. Looks like it could be a really good game just because Spurs are now on fire. having beat Man United 6-1. Um, got Gareth Bale will be coming back and West Ham just beat Leicester 3-0. So I think that could be a really good one to watch. Um, any predictions on that one? 
Oh, I don't know. Uh, I just I'm look forward to seeing Gareth Bale back in the Prem. I think that's that's another exciting subplot, isn't it, to this year's season? I'm, I'm looking forward I, to that. I think Spurs will win that at the moment, just because I think I think West Ham have shown that they're not a you know a bad yeah, team, are, but defensively, I, I just think that you know they won't be able to um, keep Spurs out in that game. And I'm really looking forward to watching Leicester against Villa because Leicester lost West Ham 3-0 and Villa beat um, Liverpool 7-2. And Leicester away for Villa, if they can beat that one, then they are really doing something possibly in this league, I think. It's so funny, isn't it? It only takes a week, doesn't it? Like, like, are you listening... Burnley, are you listening, West Brom? It only takes a week for people to give a shit and want to watch your games. Aston Villa, in one week, have turned themselves from a team that you will actively change the channel. Sorry, Villa fan. <laughs> to, be active, to a team that you are going, oh, that will be a good game. I'm looking forward to that. Because you see what happens when their football works, what they can do. And and that is just brilliant. So it only takes a bit of glimmer, you know, a little glimmer of hope for you to thoroughly enjoy a team's football. It's hope for everyone, so um, let's move on to side stories. Anyone got any side stories? Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has the coronavirus. Did you read that today? Yeah, good one. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Cro-ro has the Covo. Um, <laughs> I do. Uh, we've talked about Ozil a little bit recently. Um, the sad demise, sad and continuing demise of Ozil I don't know if you saw he didn't get named in Arsenal's Europa League squad yes. so I, I, I really think we are at a point now where he's not going to play for Arsenal again which ever I, again just I just think weird. it's sad because I think he's such a good player and he has been mm. you know, he's a World Cup winner I just he's been completely marginalised he doesn't help himself but I just feel like I can't help but feel like it's a waste and the fact that they, for so long, dilly-dallied over giving him this contract and then went, yeah, we'll give you this contract and then we won't play you ever again. It's, mm. like, uh, it's sad so. for football because he can offer so much and he's such a great player to watch. And I think it's sad that mm. we don't get to watch him. He's just gathering mm. dust. Um, did you see Eddie and Ketia this morning scored for England under-21s um, <laughs> and now is the all-time under-21s top scorer? Equal having taken Shearer. over. No, he's no, taken over Shearer. Has he? Taken over. Yeah, he's got 14. So Shira had 13 and 11. Um, oh, okay. And Ketia's got 14 and 13. Do you know who else had 13? Jeff, you might know who this is. Hmm? England under 21, all time top scorer, or used to be. Go on. Franny Jeffers. Oh. Yeah. Fox so, in so the box. We, so good we signed him twice. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's funny. We joke about Franny Jeffers, and, you know, Arsenal's obviously the signed him as to be their fox in the box that they were missing and it never happened but Nketiah is that kind of player like I think he's a goal scorer it just you know he's, really he's, he's just going to score goals yeah no I've got a lot of time for him I think he's uh, going to be excellent um, any other side stories are we ready for end game I'm ready I'm ready are you ready end okay. game time so Jeff is games master so Jeff you won last week so the scores are Rog 2 Jeff 2 me 1 Rubbish. okay so I need to win. John, I think I think this is built for you because I have a feeling that this game is in Roger's black spot. Um, oh, yes. so apologies in advance, but we're going way back to 2015. Now, one of the games we didn't mention this week was Chelsea versus Southampton. 
So I've gone for Chelsea Southampton in 2015. The score was 3-1 to Southampton. The managers, Ronald Koeman for Southampton and Jose Mourinho for Chelsea. First, who lost last week? I did. No, John. I was, was I games for last week? Yeah, no, I was you games for last week. Rog, you go first. Uh, Frank Lampard. No, Roger. fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> 2015. And he retired by then, hadn't he? He played Man City and, and then he went to America. Oh, and then he yeah. managed Derby so and now he's managed yeah. Chelsea. Oh, oh right. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, Eden Hazard. Correct, John. <laughs> Frank um, Lampard. What about Adam Lallana. <laughs> no. Yeah, for Southampton. Yeah, I know who you're playing for. He's been for, in Liverpool but... for seven years. Yeah, right, he? <laughs> he was at Southampton under Cooman, wasn't he? Oh, dear. This is brilliant. <laughs> okay, right. Well, Rog, good one. Well, well, Mane, Mane, Mane was next. Right. Wait, 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 wait. If I get this right, get I win. Diego Costa. No. Oh, no. no Diego Costa. Ah. Roger. Uh, Mane. Correct. For Southampton, scored a goal. Um, Courtois in goal. No, John, he was injured. <sighs> what? Uh, so, Roger, you have to get... As, you both got no lives yet. Correct, Roger. Left back. Um, I've gone blank now. That was my ones I had. Um, Southampton, Jose Font. Correct. Uh, Nathaniel Klein. No. Roger. You're going to kick yourself, both of you. These are great footballing teams. Legendary, I'd say. Legendary teams. Um, I'll start with Southampton. Brian Bertrand. Virgil van Dijk. Jose Fonte. Cedric. Roger, Cedric. (laughs) Your favourite player. (laughs) Stecklenburg in goal. Uh, Romeu, Victor Wanyama, Sadio Mane, Davis, Dusan Tadic. And Pelé oh, yeah, up front. Pelé. Oh, come on, you guys. Anyway, um, in goal for Chelsea, that was a hard one, John. Peg- Begovic, Ivanovic, mm-hmm. Gary Cahill, John Terry, Asper Laqueta, Cesc Fabregas. Oh, John Terry. Ramirez, mm-hmm. Willian, Oscar, Hazard, and up front, Falcao. Oh, Falcao. Mm. <laughs> oh, you well, got... we, at least it, it wasn't complete failure. No, well, just... I mean... just just a semi-failure. Mm. That means I win, so it's a two-two-two. So it's all evens. So it's Excellent. A, it's going to be a tight season, I reckon. Um, does anyone have anything before we finish? No, great to be back in the shed. No, looking forward <laughs> to Saturday night. Big game. 
Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye.